to the B-Red Podcast with your host, Ryan Hackman and Giancarlo Campos. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Giancarlo, and you're listening to episode number four of the B-Red Podcast. Alongside with me is my partner in crime, the host with the most, and probably the sickest shoe game that there is out there, Ryan Hackman. Hey, Ryan, where can they find you on your socials? I'm on Twitter at J23Kicks1. Sweet. And you can find me at KingJ underscore 89. Hey, Ryan, we're going to start this episode like we start all episodes. What are you looking forward to this week in hoops? Well, in particular, the Philadelphia 76ers suffered a couple of very untimely injuries. Ben Simmons got injured last week with a back injury in Milwaukee. There's no timetable for his return. And last night, it was discovered that Joel Embiid will be out for at least one week with a shoulder injury. The 76ers are going on the road for a four-game road trip through California. Their home record is 27-2. But that road record is 9 in 21. Yep. And we'll talk about more of this later, but it'll be interesting to see how the Sixers respond without two of their best players as they go out to California. Definitely. I'm with you. I think that's going to be really interesting to see how they play. Uh, you know, in the whole Jimmy Butler, when he was there, he wanted to turn those boys into dogs. And you can tell with their road record that they're not quite there. Seeing how they respond is going to be real interesting. Um, I have a lot to look forward to. Uh, Bulls aside, um, I really want to see uh, that Milwaukee Bucks game that's coming up uh, this weekend. I think we were talking about it off air earlier. Uh, what was the matchup, Ryan? Next weekend on Friday, yep. Bucks and Lakers from the Staples Center. And I was looking on the secondary market for tickets, and the tickets started off at the bare minimum of $186. Yeah, that's a pretty penny. And that's for for the nosebleed sections, three thirty. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a pretty penny. That's going to be a great game, and it's going to be a nice measuring stick to kind of see you know, what some of the best, probably arguably the best in the West, has against the beast in the East. So we'll see how that plays out. What else you got for us? Well... In addition, in addition to that, that could be the matchup of the year. But now with we're going to move on for a while to talk about the Chicago Bulls. They've had a bad season, as we all know. But there's one bright spot in all this. Kobe White. makes He made NBA history the other day by becoming the first reserve a rookie to score 30-plus points in three consecutive games off the bench and people are asking shouldn't he be a starter well I'm not sure it's as easy as he goes comes off the bench scores 30 points and put him back in in the rotation immediately I think in the future yes but I think in this rookie season I think he's doing well off the bench I'm with you I think you don't give him too much you know you you see what you got so far and 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 just see what he can do Um, although I will say this if they have the vision of a backcourt um, with him and Zach, then they have to start giving him some keys to go out there and play more point guard and not just be a scorer. Um, if that's what their vision is, if their vision is just of him being a sixth man type or just some you know, firepower off the bench, then keep him in the role you got him in and keep letting him develop this way. Well, it's interesting. I'm reading this article on CBSSports.com after the... 124-122 loss against the Oklahoma State Thunder on Tuesday night. Kobe White was quoted as saying, 
what attributes his success is his hair. His hair. <laughs> Quote, yeah, it gives me powers, said at, of the of his hair game after game against the Wizards a couple of games before. That's what everybody says. I'm kind of my trademark. What do you think about... Do you, do you make much of that with the long hairdo that contributes to success? Or, <laughs> You know... I know it's all in jest, but I will say, I will say, you know, if if the hair is helping him get the confidence that he needs, then, you know, stick with it. Stick with it. Um, but that aside, I, honestly, what, what the contributing factor is his speed. He's just so fast. He's lightning quick. He's got a good handle and he can get to whatever spot he wants. He shows flashes of having the ability to play point guard. Like we've been saying, he looks more like a Lou Williams type. So it's going to be interesting just to see the development. I would personally, I would kind of like to see him uh, get the keys to the offense and get an opportunity to play more point just to see kind of where he's at. Um, But, you know, he can score. That boy can score and he's going to be a scorer for a long time. After the game against the Thunder, which they both the Bulls lost by two. Chris Paul and Kobe White are pretty close to each other, if you've seen. Yeah, they exchange pleasantries, yeah. <laughs> yep. Quote from Chris Paul, I've got to see my family strolling out of the United Center visitors' locker room into family area to connect with his mentee, Bulls rookie Kobe White and White's brother Bonita and brother Will. My question to you is, despite playing on different teams, how much do you think that Chris Paul's presence is going to help Kobe White ascend through the NBA. He's only 20 years old. Chris Paul has been around for many years. I think it's an interesting question. Um, I think look no further than the passing of Kobe and the impact that one of the mentors of the NBA of the last decade, the kind of impact he had in a lot of the young players. It would not surprise me if Chris Paul, who isn't somebody I would think of as a mentor, um, it wouldn't surprise me if he had a really big impact on Kobe White. Uh, and try to teach him the ways. You can kind of see it already in Shea Gildas-Alexander and the way he plays for that Oklahoma City Thunder team um, and the way that Chris Paul has taken him under his wing and kind of taught him and helped him grow. It would not surprise me if in the offseason specifically, Chris Paul does the same continued growth uh, with Kobe White. Uh, it would also be interesting to see if maybe um, an older Chris Paul would decide to play alongside Kobe White. Uh, who knows? I know Chris Paul has another year under his contract in OKC, and then he's a free agent. I don't think he's going to command max payday money come that season, that 2021-2022 season. Um, but it would be interesting, and it's nice to know that Kobe White is seeking that mentorship, that he's seeking um, that opportunity for growth through some of the people that he plays with. And to finish on Kobe White, White also became the first rookie in third overall to score 30 points in three consecutive games off the bench since starters were first recorded way back in 1970-71 according to Elias Sports Bureau. There's something to be proud of. I'm not sure if he cares much about the stats, but to be in the stats with Elias Sports Bureau. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, a side note, I got to meet Elias because his Sports Bureau is killing it. <laughs> Moving on to another player on the Bulls, and that's Zach Levine. There's been some, you may have seen the incident the other day where he was heard, caught on mic saying, I have effing 
40 points. Yeah. So about that, you know, he just came out and said that he wasn't saying it to Boylan, that he was saying it to the other players he was going up against. I totally thought it was a shot at Boylan that Zach just had enough. Um, you know, it's, it's getting kind of crazy. Zach was the bad guy last year. He was the one that uh, apparently was probably the reason they created that committee of sorts that they created with Laurie Markinen and uh, Robin Lopez. I, I know you remember that committee that they created because apparently uh, Boylan was uh, coaching too rough and he wanted them to practice at coming after a back-to-back. So the players created some kind of a committee to try to mitigate some of that um, overworking that Boylan was putting them under. But in, in a lot of ways, Zach's coming off as like the the good guy and Boylan's coming off as the bad guy. And, and, and it sounds like through the media and it sounds like through these interviews over the last you know two weeks, All-Star Weekend and up till today, that Zach's had enough. It sounds like Zach's starting to uh, come undone and, and, and start sharing his real beliefs uh, on how he feels about everything. I want to play a soundbite from The Jump on ESPN, and I want to get your reaction to that on the other side. Just in the last few weeks, he had a coach's challenge with 40 seconds left in a game that they were down nine. I I get it, but you're not winning that game, and I don't know what the coach's challenge is for. They were down 12 with 42 seconds remaining in a game, and he calls a timeout. And it does just seem to be wearing on the players. Are they even learning anything? Are they doing the thing you want them to do? Yeah, you know what's funny? It's a young coach, a young coach in his coaching career. He's young as a head coach. He's been coaching for a long time and coached under guys like Greg Popovich. But in a lot of ways, it's a young team with a young coach, and they're both learning on the fly. I also think that a lot of Boylan's tendencies are that of a high school coach or a college coach, and you call late timeouts as teaching moments, you don't do that anymore with professionals. That's, you, that's, that's essentially what Rachel Nichols is alluding to. What, what, is he, what is he doing? These are rookie moves. You don't, you don't do this at this level. Yeah, I just think that there's just a sense of disconnect between the players and coaches, whether they acknowledge it or not. And the front and, office. And the front office especially, and with – anticipating moves coming this off season and ownership and ownership well yeah, as long as functional it's an entirely dysfunctional organization well as long as john paxson is continuing to make decisions regardless of what moves they make they're in trouble yeah they are they, they, i can't think of he's how he's been running the he's been making these major decisions for more than 15 years yeah yeah it's insane yeah it's honestly he's one of the longest tenured um uh I guess GMs and not only in the NBA but in sports you know guys don't get a leash this long and not win anything yeah he's a president of basketball operations officially for the Bulls but just a title let's yeah, be real yeah, let's yeah, be real no, you're right and, and, and the sad thing is that, that and we mentioned ownership for one reason and one reason only they're not going to fire packs they're just going to reshuffle him like they did Kenny Williams for the White Sox that's what's going to happen he's not going to be fired and as long as he has his fingers anywhere on this team they're going to be mired in, in mediocrity it's kind of like reshuffling the deck chairs. That's all that's going to happen. That's all that's going to happen. That's what the most recent reports are out of the Trib and out of, out of the the Daily Herald and the, the Sun Times. All the all the reports are about how you know at the year's end they're going to fire uh, the head coach. They're going to just bust toss him like they've done for a number of coaches, including Thibodeau and 
going all the way back to Vinny Del Negro when Paxson put his hands on him. And, you know, that should have been the moment that they fired Pax. You don't put your hands on one of your employees and choke him. And that's what Pax did. And, and I like Pax the guy. I really do. I think he's a good basketball mind. I just don't think he can do this job anymore. Maybe a fresh start somewhere else at a different position. But here in Chicago, it's just not working out anymore. And at some point, you have to, you know, call a spade a spade. You know, you're not getting the job done and it's time for you to go. Well, his playing days are basically not what fans are remembering him for as much these days. A moment ago, we mentioned the famed Joe Cowley, uh, one of the better sports writers here that covers the Bulls in the city of Chicago. I'm not sure if you got a chance to read his piece, um, but it was entitled with the headline, Enjoy Zach Levine Now, Bulls Fans. He may be gone sooner than later. And in it, he has one really telling quote, Ryan. Let me run this one by you. Uh, He asked him a question, and he asked Zach Levine a question, and Zach uh, uh, responded, and he said, I've done a lot of losing my whole career. I've been frustrated from the get-go, and I want all that to change. Your thoughts? That that is something concerning that should awaken the Bulls into, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised based off that quote if he is not a Bull for much longer. Who wants to play in the NBA and be on losing teams? He played a few years with the Minnesota Timberwolves. They didn't do well. He got traded to the Bulls a couple years ago. Bulls haven't have regressed. If anything, they haven't progressed in three, year three yeah. of the rebuild. So let's let's just you know, let's just call it the way it is. Uh, once you reach a certain level in the NBA, you know that no matter where you go or where you play, you're going to get paid. It doesn't matter where I play. So then the next thing you worry about is not 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 the money at that point because you know the money's going to come. The next thing you worry about is how will I be remembered. And that's what Zach Levine is at this at this point in his career. That's what he's asking himself: How will I be remembered? Will I be remembered as a winner? Or will I be remembered as a loser? One of the reasons why he didn't do that dunk contest was because he said he had nothing left to prove. What's the real reason? I don't want to lose. I don't want to be remembered as a guy that won the dunk contest and then lost it. So I'm not going to do it. So here he is on the Bulls putting up 25 a night. And he's saying, well, for what? All we do is lose. I'm tired of it. So when the time comes and that overhaul comes, Joe Colley's insinuating he's going to go. Now, if... Let's say Levine were to remain with the Bulls for next season, and you know he participated in a three-point shooting contest this year in the All-Star game a couple weeks ago. Would he say, "I'm not going to participate in that"? That's a good question. Um, no, I don't think he participated in it again. No, I don't think he would. Um, he he did well. He would make 24 points, yeah. which is pretty good. Yeah. Just you know, the guys he went up against were better. That's that's just all. That's that's it. Some of the guys are rhythm shooters, and some of them aren't. Um, but you know, it's really telling. It's it's really interesting to be able to see that piece. You know, Kali always you know comes out you know the gates, you know, just firing off with some really good pieces, and I, it's it's Zach Levine might get traded. He's their most valuable asset, and that's pretty much what, what this article is about. Like, enjoy it now. You have a star. Uh, he might not be the brightest of all the stars, and by bright, I mean, I don't mean intellectually. I mean, he just might not be a premier top 10 or 15 player, but he's right after that. He's in that second or third tier of, of really good players, a budding all-star, and the Bulls probably can get a, lot, a, a big haul for him, honestly. And to me, it seems that the Bulls have just been in a perpetual rebuild, and with no yep. end in sight. You remember 
talk about other sports we've talked about before, the Cubs, yep. they went through a couple years where they were expected to lose, and that's what happened. But they started to progress as the years went by, eventually winning World Series in 2016 at the pinnacle. We're not seeing that from the Bulls. No, nope. we're not seeing that from the Bulls at all. You know, let me let me just you know to your point. Um, when Theo, um, who who was running that whole ship for the Cubs, came out, he he mapped it out on day one. He said, "Hey, we're going to go through some bumps and bruises. Uh, we have a plan in place. Get ready for this rebuild. Uh, there's going to be a few lean years where we lose, but it's so that we can acquire assets and stockpile some high draft picks. And in time, we're going to be able to do it with really." cost-effective and cheap players who should be stars. And, you know, the Bulls don't have that. They don't have that kind of plan. They don't have the kind of management team that would come out and say, here's our plan, here's how we're going to do it, and, you know, come out throughout that process and say, you know what, we've we failed here, or we've done this, or here's where we're at, at at this point. They don't have any of that, which keeps going back to what we've been saying since episode one. It's time for a change. To close this segment out about Levine, I want to play a soundbite from the jump the same day from ESPN's Zach Lowe to put it into perspective about where the Bulls are. I just think it's important to remember in the big the Bulls are becoming like this circus everyone is making fun of for good reason. Like with those kind of injuries, they just don't have a chance to be good. Yeah. No matter what, timeouts, no timeouts, move to the locker room, whatever. They just they don't have enough talent to win a lot of games right now. The, all the other stuff is real and it's important to talk about. But like, just remember who they're playing right now. You know who they're playing? They're playing teams that are better than them every night in and night out. Not only do they have more talent, but they have better coaching too. They've only won one game against a team 500 or better, and that was the LA Clippers back in December. That's ridiculous. And that was without Kawhi Leonard playing. Yeah. That was without one of the best players in the league playing. Imagine if he had played. That could be zero. Yeah. And just it's measuring down to winning games at the end of the day. And winning games not just against the sub-500 teams, but against the upper echelon teams. At the very least, showing the ability to compete. They lost by two points yep. to the Thunder the other day. But even in losses, I'd rather see them lose going down with a fight. Yep. Too many games we've seen, they just... Where they quit. Yes. They quit. They quit. They and I'm not sure what it is. I honestly, coaching. I think it's just a. Dip. They play well in the first half, but when the second half comes, the game is close. The game is in a balance, but the game c- completely lost. Yeah, they, they, they get lose the, the third quarter. It's when they come out of halftime and they go into that third quarter. You'd think that they'd come out with more firepower, with an actual, with aggression, with a plan, and that doesn't happen. And they fall behind, and they're forced every single game to try to fight back in the fourth. And it's pretty much Zach Levine or Kobe White or somebody, mainly Zach Levine, just saying, all right, I'll put the team on my back. Let's go. And the energy that the team has had to expound on dealing with the narrative from the outside. We talked about this in the last show, but while athletes tried to say we don't want to have stuff from the outside affect us. There's no doubt in my mind that the narrative that's coming from talk radio, the blogosphere, national TV, is having an effect on the team's oh, yeah. play. No doubt. When when they had Zach Levine on ESPN prior to the All-Star break, uh, or during the All-Star break, prior to the All-Star game, they were asking him questions, and the fans came out and were just, just chanting, fire Garpax, fire Garpax. And before 
They even finished the question. And before the fans even said that, Zach Levine knew. He knew that the fans were going to be up in arms. Which, what? It means Zach Levine knows what the fans are saying. Zach Levine knows what's, what's on the outside, what, what the outside noise is. All these players, they all know. Anyone that tells you that, oh, I tune everything out. Oh, I don't know about... They're lying to you. They know. They listen to the shows. They watch TV. They hear what's being said about them. Because ultimately, these guys, you know, they're marketing giants. They want to get more money. They want to be able to uh, be global superstars and be able to push their shoes or, you know, their their sweatbands or whatever it is that they're marketing. So they, they have to know what the word is outside. And I'm sure in Zach's camp, it's the moment we get a chance to get out of here, we're gone. I agree. I think I would not be surprised to see him gone, whether after this year or next year. That remains to be seen. And just the, the lack of being able to develop talent. They've gone, They've drafted good players in the draft who've done well in college before, only to not pan out in the NBA. Yep. And this goes back decades. Yep. Changing gears a little bit, let's get into some spicy Twitter beef. So during the all-star uh, selection process where Giannis was picking his teammates, he skipped over James Harden, to which great Sir Charles Barkley asked him, hey, you didn't want the dribbler, you know, James Harden? And Giannis responded and said, no, I want somebody who passes the ball. So then James fired back. Okay, uh, James Harden fired back on Twitter and said, I average more assists than him, I think. And then he said just this weekend, I wish I could be seven feet and just dunk. That takes no skill. What are your thoughts on this Twitter beef? That's what, when Twitter was invented, this is what we were going to get. And it there's no shortage of entertainment on Twitter. I will say it's not as easy. I think it's... Under to be able to maneuver your way around def- defenders oh, yeah. and to use your skill to score, that's something that is very underrated in the NBA because a lot of people, they go to games, they like to see these massive dunks that bring down the house. But I think the skill man on on the court, such as James Harden, he can dunk it, but he's not the tallest guy. He's not seven feet tall, but he can dunk it. And I'm not sure what he's necessarily complaining about. He can dunk the ball. Yeah, you know, it goes both ways. I get what Harden's saying, and I get what Giannis is saying, believe it or not. I completely understand what he's saying, too. Uh, No one likes playing with the guy who hogs the ball, you know. Um, But um, it goes both ways. Sometimes the bigger, stronger guy is the better player, and sometimes the the more skillful athlete is the better player. It it could go either way. But it's definitely uh, really interesting to see them fire back. Uh, If they played one-on-one, who would you, uh, if you had to put your entire life savings on it who who would you pick Harden and Giannis yes who that's a tough one that rule a game to 11 a game of 11 ones and twos I would go with Giannis Giannis Uh, Giannis okay it'd probably be 11 10 yeah it would be real close it'd be 11 10 down the final shot yep yeah I'd probably go Giannis too he's uh he is the skill that he has he is absolutely Insane. He looks. He looks intimidating freak. on on the court. Yeah. Imagine standing near the court or sitting near the court and seeing that man just absolutely accelerate yep. to the rim. Yep. He can. He can dunk from the almost a free no, throw he, line. No, he can. I guarantee you. He, he can, can dunk. And I, I think that just he, wait till he can he, shoot. Oh just yeah. Wait. If, from the three point line, if he could become a, a 
shoot about 35% from downtown, Unstoppable. work out. Yeah. Work out the NBA. The postgame's already coming. The postgame's already there, honestly. Uh, he posts big men down left and right. He's a big man, honestly. He's seven feet tall. Yeah. You know, he's... He's he's amazing and, and he's really really young. Um, what is twenty five? He's twenty five 25 years, years old. Yeah, that's incredible. He's still in his prime. Still, yeah, he's not even there yet. His prime is 27, 28, 29. You know, he's he's about to hit the prime. So uh, he's going to be a scary force, unfortunately. In the well, for for the Bulls' sake, yes, he is. Yeah. But he he's he's exciting to watch. There are some players that even if they play against your team, you love watching them. You love watching oh, yeah. them, like LeBron James when he played yep. many years. For the Cavaliers in heat against the Bulls, fans were there to see they were the king. Yeah, yeah, they were there to see the king yeah. play, and he got reactions from the crowd sure. all the time. And that's what a a superstar gets here, even if he plays on the team that is comp- competing oh, yeah. directly against you and beating you all the time. Like LeBron was being the Caval- with the Cavaliers in. Heat. Totally with you. Totally with you. Uh, if you're a fan of 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 meat and you're and you're a carnivore, you're gonna like this continued segment of some more spicy Twitter beef. Ryan, I know you got a little bit more for us. Yes, Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks sent out a tweet this afternoon. More beef, just what the people wanted with the laughing emojis. Imagine Twitter without the emojis. I, I I'm serious. Simi's guys are. They are experts in yep. emojis. Yep. What would social media be without emojis? Oh yeah, it'd be, yeah, it would be a different animal for sure because we get limited to the amount of characters that we get. Uh, but that was in in uh, in I guess he was talking to Jimmy Butler, right? Because I know they were jabbing back and forth at each other. Now, that one was more playful. It wasn't as serious. But what was it? I believe there was a game where Trey Young hit a three and then celebrated and said the game was over and they ended up losing the game against the Heat. So, <laughs> so then Jimmy tweeted out to him. Uh, he tweeted some kind of jab at him about the game not actually being over and, and not to open his mouth before it's actually said and done. So now Trey Young went up against Miami just this past week and he dropped 50 points on Miami in response to them, and then was adding the heat and adding uh, uh, Jimmy Butler. So it's really cool when you get to see it, you know, be fun like this. I know I'm one of the guys, if you don't follow him, he's really fun to follow on Twitter. Uh, he's a former player, but Kendrick Perkins, he might not have been the best player in the NBA at the time, really good post defender. Uh, but on Twitter and on social media, that guy is amazing. He's so good, and he's been jabbing at KD in the past. And you know, you get to see his videos on social media and a lot of the things that he says. But he's definitely a really good follow. Is there anyone on on social media that you're interested in or that you like a lot to follow and one, you recommend? One guy that's interesting are the Lakers, Kyle Kuzma. Oh yeah, real he, good. he's real yeah. good with the emojis. Yep. He, some of these guys, they I will admit, they sometimes go well, I say overboard. They yeah, they, they, next they could, level. They, for they sure. push it a little bit on Twitter, but these guys, yeah, they compete against each other, but they're very close to each oh, other. Yeah. They're, it's a very tightly knit group, for even sure. though sometimes you'll see games where Superstar One and Superstar Two are are getting to a war of words, but they're very close off the court, and that's something that people don't recognize. Obviously, what they don't see they don't away from see the it. court on TV. Yeah, it's because they don't get to see the circles that these players travel in. These players have known each other since they were, you know, middle school, high school. They've been playing in in a lot of the uh, uh, the circuits, the same you know high school circuits they were playing on, and in a lot of these teams. I know Kenny the Jet Smith was talking about how these players, a lot of them, know each other, and you can even see 
see pictures where you'll get Zach Levine hanging out with, uh, uh, you know, players from all over the place when he was 16, 17, 18. Uh, I think I've seen a video of Zach Levine meeting um, Blake Griffin when Zach Levine was like 16 or 17 years old and just being astonished. And then to his left were, were players from like the Pacers and, and Utah and, you know, just being able to point them out. So, yeah, a lot of these players are friends um, and they know each other and they've been moving in the same circles for a long time. Um, definitely. Um, but just to finish off that topic, uh, Embiid is definitely the best follow on Twitter. Oh, he, he's, he's absolutely best. Right. Yeah. He's absolutely amazing. And, and some of these guys, they, they, a lot of their followers, a lot of the followers that they get are from some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. I'm with you. I completely agree. Finally, briefly talking about the playoff picture in the NBA. If the, in the Eastern Conference, if this playoffs were to start today, the Bucks would of course be number one, Toronto number two, Boston number three, Miami number four, Philadelphia number five, Indiana number six, Brooklyn number seven, Orlando eight. What is interesting to me is the, the four and five seat between Philadelphia and Miami. Who gets the four and who gets Miami. a five? Because Miami. Because right, right now, right away. Yeah, I agree. Because the 76ers are abysmal road team yep. and there's incentive to get in that top four. You get that extra home game in the first round, which can make a difference. Huge difference. And I, I haven't seen proof that the 76ers can win on the road. And I'm not sure the 76ers are as bad as they are on the road. Are they as good as they are at home? You know, they're somewhere in between. That's a good point that you bring up. Are they as bad as they are away or are they as good as they are at home? They're somewhere in between there. And, and you know, if you're in between that, that really high and that really low, you're not good enough to be Miami. That's the truth. Who can be the threat to take down the Milwaukee Bucks? I think they're going to come out of the East easily. Not easily, but they're the clear favorites of many experts. But of the teams that are... Two, let's say two, three, and four, Toronto, Boston, Miami. Who can take them down? Toronto won it last year, of course. They did, but <laughs> there's a guy they had on their team, yep. Kawhi Leonard, who was a different animal in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody in the East can take out the Bucks. If I had to pick a team, if I was a betting man and I was thinking of a team that could potentially try to slow down, because you're not going to stop Giannis, no. but maybe slow him down, um, man, that's a great question. Oh my gosh! You know, maybe Miami, maybe you know that you get them shooting. They can if if they're on because they got shooters all on that team. If if they're on and they're not missing, I can see them you know sneak a few games away and you know steal one here or there. And and then when you have Jimmy playing the way Jimmy plays, and maybe Miami. Um, I don't think Siakam's going to take that next step yet for for Toronto and the Raptors. Um, I think he's another star away from having that, even though that's a really good team with a really good coach. Um, I, I don't see it. How about you? Do you see anybody dethroning? Could be Boston. I, I That's really a, young team. A, wild horse, yeah. a wild horse team. Jason Tatum has been on a tear yep. lately. Well, Kemba Walker has been injured. Yep. That could be a concern, but yep. Jason Tatum has really taken that next step lately. He scored 35 points mm-hmm. last few games just coming off a West Coast road trip. Mm-hmm. That could be a team that can give the Bucks a hard time. Wesley, moving to the Western Conference, you got the Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, Rockets, Thunder, 
Jazz Mavericks and Grizzlies occupying the eight playoff spots if it were to start today. And below Memphis are Portland and New Orleans. Who do you think can, between Portland and New Orleans, could overtake Memphis? One of those two teams, Portland or New Orleans? Great question. Um, hmm. Portland hasn't shown consistency to me. No, me either. Me either. And, you know... I really like that Memphis team, man. I really do. I think that that Pelicans team is something else, man. With with the way that Zion's been playing, that's a whole different club. That's going to be a really interesting uh, scenario out in the West. Well, if if Zion had not started the season late as he did, they'd be like the third or fourth seed. Yeah, they they'd be up there right now. And I think New Orleans. I think if I had to choose between Portland and New Orleans who could overtake Memphis, it'll be New Orleans because of Zion. Yep. I'm not sure it's going to happen this year. I think Memphis is going to hold on to the eighth seed because Memphis has been, I would say, the most surprising team in the NBA this year. No doubt. Who do you have? Who do you think is the most surprising team I'm, in the NBA? I'm completely with you. It's Memphis, far and away. I don't think it's close. I think it's Memphis first and Memphis second. Uh, and Honestly, I think John Morant has to win Rookie of the Year, oh, yes. even though Zion's been so good, so good. But John Morant's done it the whole season, and he's willed that team, who was rebuilding, who got rid of their you know lead point guard, and you know completely trashed the team. And he comes in and changed it all, you know, and he put that team on an accelerated track to the playoffs. Yeah, John Morant, he is incredible. He. He's daring. Yeah. I think that's the best way to describe his play. He is not afraid to take on anybody. To get to the rim, he is daring. He is is something to appreciate. He is a combination of John Wall and Russell Westbrook. That is what he is. Really, that's is. interesting. Yeah, He's interesting point. Freak athlete, a speed demon, a really good facilitator. Uh, he gets wherever he wants. He can shoot the ball a bit. He's he's special, man. He's special. He's going to be a star for many years to come and in the first year out of Murray State. And I think if he's not the rookie of the year. He's then, number two then. And yeah, he's number two. That's but it. if he's if he's not rookie of the year, then. It's a travesty. It, it will be a travesty. I think he will win rookie of the year. But you. he is absolutely, he is will the, the Grizzlies to where they are right now. Without him, they would be out of the playoff scenario as we see it right now. That is it for today's show. We great, we appreciate you listening. As always, guys, remember to like, follow, and subscribe. And we'll catch you guys next time on the next episode of the Be Red Podcast.